Today's episode is brought to you from the Russell Hotel. This hotel is a historic East Nashville church transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind boutique hotel. The Russell's mission is to give back to the Nashville community through their Rooms for Rooms program by donating a portion of your stay to local organizations who provide a safe haven for those in need in the Nashville community. Visit russellnashville.com to book your experience today. That's russellnashville.com. R-U-S-S-E-L-L nashville.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You're Not the Worst with yours truly, Riley Nelson. And Avery Blessing. Today, we have probably the most accredited guest that we've had on so far. I honestly am speechless. Like, I'm very excited for you guys to hear this one. Yes. Like, she has so much great insight and studies and, like, knowledge to share with you guys. We're so excited to share this with you. There's just like, you can hear our smiles through the phone. (laughs) Yeah, you can. We're just such a small podcast and it. Okay, no, don't shit on ourselves. Don't say that. I'm not shitting. I'm just saying compared to the guests that we have, like the difference is. Don't say that. Don't say that. Cut that. trying to emphasize no, but, but don't don't emphasize her popularity by like diminishing us because we're worthy. Well, so I'm don't not we're not worthy. I'm literally just saying that like we literally like it's the biggest guest yet, and it's like insane like the difference between like our levels. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, but don't shit on us. Right. I'm literally not shitting on us. I'm not. Well, anyways, we are so excited, guys. Um, well, we're gonna do our intro, and then we'll intro her, and then you'll get to hear. Should we like drum roll it? Like, does this work? Oh, oh what? <laughs> does this work? It's my. No, that sounds kind of weird. I don't Wait, like do it that. again, like faster. Like, our guest today is Dr. Dr. Wendy Walsh. Walsh. Woohoo! We're so excited to have her on. Um, but before we do, Avery, what's going on with you? <sighs> okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta like prepare yourself for that one no i do though okay so Wait, i basically had a run-in with fuckboy brad 2.0 okay that is and so dramatic avery not even close but, the, but no 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 the fact that he wait, legit wait. said exactly what Fuckboy Brad said to me. If like, oh, I could date you in the future. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Don't give him that much credit. He's Fuckboy Brad 1.5. Okay, fine. 1.5. Okay. Like, you guys, like, I just sometimes, like, I'm just stupid. Okay? And, like, I just, like, don't see things. Like, it's just. You're in it. Yes. Like, when you're in it, you don't see things that the outside people see. You know? Yes. Yes, and that's what happened with this guy. Um, th- I've never heard someone say more contradicting statements than what this guy said. Like, ever. I was like, I really wish I had this on recording so this guy could literally, like, listen and be like, I'm just saying the opposite of what I'm saying. Like, it's the most weird-ass shit. Like, talking in circles. Yes, talking in circles. And I'm like... But not saying anything. Yes. Okay. So, okay. This guy basically hit me up and, you know, he is like, Avery, I've just had this crush on you for so long. Like, you're my dream girl. I've had this big crush on you for like three years and I've always wanted to date you. And he, you know, texts me a week and a half ago. We start talking and everything's going great and, you know, it's chill. And 
basically. Last night, he, um, what did he say? Oh, he was like, look, like, I really like you. You're my dream girl. Also, you guys, he made a point to bring up that I was his dream girl every fucking time we hung out. It made me feel like a trophy to him. And he literally said, I feel like I've accomplished this goal by talking to you. And I'm like, Kate, like, you know, just weird. It made me feel weird. And like last night he was like, no, like, I really like you and you know, all this stuff, but I just want a casual date because I'm afraid of heartbreak. And he was like, maybe in the future, I will want to date you. Fuckboy Brad 1.5 is in the building. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Fuckboy Chad. Fuckboy Chad. Um, and, you know, he's like, I might want to date you in the future. And then he's like, but I just want a casual date because I'm afraid of heartbreak. And he was like, I would rather not have you than have you and let you go. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I was like, dude, like if this guy is so afraid of heartbreak and that's his reason, then honey, you had a big storm coming. How are you going to date anybody if you're afraid of heartbreak? It's just the wackest, like weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like I could go into deep detail and do this whole thing about it, but I don't know. The last thing I will say though, is like this guy is sitting here and trying to explain his whole thought process to me. And like knowing that I'm the host of a dating podcast a conversation was so exhausting and I was like that's coming from a lot from someone who literally talks about it as a hobby literally you we talk about this um I wouldn't say for a living but as part of a living and we we literally talk about this on the daily like do you think you're gonna get away with it we we call this out on the podcast we had this whole thing we had a whole episode about it Mm -hmm. and he literally did it to you just to be like like to think that like you wouldn't catch on to that like it's so stupid Yes. And I'm just like, well, okay, well, I didn't kind of catch on to it, you know, so I am, you know, whatever we all learn. But like, I was just like, it's just so weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh my God, I love this girl. Like, she's amazing. She's my dream girl. And then I get her and like, now I don't want her. Well, you just described like 90% of the male population because they love the chase, but once they get it, they're like, okay, I'm done now. I got the chase. I won. Game over. Yes. And I was like, it's just the most contradicting things, you guys. And I was just exhausted. I was like, I cannot have these conversations anymore because of us going in circles. And I was just like, God, like, ugh, it's just annoying. And then he was like, I was like, okay, so like, what does casual dating look like to you? And he was like, well, uh, we would go on dates if we wanted to. We would hang out and we would like do like physical stuff. And I was like, isn't that like dating? Like, you know, like he literally is just so contradicting. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Exactly. And he told me that. And I was just like, yeah, okay, bye. Just leave. Like, you know, I was like, no, no, no. I don't want this. I don't need this. Goodbye. Um, but literally just like, what was I going to say? Um, shit, there's one more thing. Hold on, you guys. This is so important. Um, this is like a tie. It's like an end of a thing. Um, basically, like, just, he was just like, I want to eat my cake and eat it too. Wait, what? I want my cake, cake and, and eat, eat it too. <laughs> I want to eat my cake and eat it too. Okay, I'll have two cakes. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, I mean, yeah, there's not really a lot more to cover. There was one really good thing. If I remember it, then I'll, I don't know, I'll add it in later. But sorry, I remembered it. I'm so sorry. Um, I was just like, so if you like, you're self sabotaging, and you basically are saying that I'm your dream girl, and so the next time you date someone, you're gonna be settling. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, uh-uh. uh, we don't want a guy like that. They're gonna drag you down with them and then blame you for it. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, now it's Riley's turn. Okay. Thanks for the intro, Avery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, 
yeah, my life is incredibly busy at the moment. Um, let's see. So I have a confession. <gasps> Long pause. Oh, wait, what is it? <laughs> I am back on the dating apps. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me clarify one app in particular. I got back on hinge. I was off of it. I did a detox for almost four months. So yeah, I am back and better than ever still on the dating scene. It sucks, but yeah. So funny story. This has nothing to do with the apps. That was just like a side confession. So I'm, I'm back out there. Um, if there's any hot single guys in Nashville listening to this, I'm here. (laughs) But um, let's see, this weekend. Okay. So Saturday night, we go out and somehow, I don't know how, we ended up on Broadway. I'm with a ton of people and we're all just like on the dance floor, like having fun. And so I need to like kind of like set the visual Uh as to like how this happened. You know, you walk in and there's the bar in the back and then there's the dance floor in the front. Then in front of the dance floor, there's a stage. And this is even more confusing. Above the stage, there's another little, like, step up that has a rail around it that's, like, the VIP section, but, like, anybody can get in. So I'm on the dance floor, you know, like, second level, Mm -hmm. and this guy is on the VIP area that's, like, fenced off. So I'm just, like, dancing with my friends, having a good time, and this guy, like calls out to my friends and he's like, Hey, like get her, get her. And they're like, who? Like, they're like, everyone's looking around like, who's he talking about? And he ended up pointing at me, which it's not something that happens a lot. I felt kind of good at the moment, you know, to get seen over my friends. Cause my friends are really fucking hot and doesn't happen with me a lot. He was cute. Like he was hot. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's why I gave him my phone number in the first place. Okay. okay. I love. That's further on in the story. So, He bends over the rail and he like grabs my hand and he's like, hey, I just want to say like, I think you're so beautiful. Like you just have this energy. Like I've been watching you tonight and like you just like radiate this energy and like I really just wanted to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. Like whatever. And he was hot. So I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. I'm like chatting with him for a minute and I'm like, okay, like come down here and dance with me. Like don't just stand on the other side of the rail. Like come down here and come dance. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there in five minutes. I was like, okay, whatever. So I go back to dancing with my friends and, like, just having a good time. And then he, like, pulls me over again. And he he just, like, keeps leaning over, being, like, like wanting to talk to me. And I was just like, okay, chatting with him for a bit. Like, everything was fine. And then um, I gave him my phone number. And that was kind of the end of that. Like, he never came down. So I was just like, whatever, I guess he's not interested. Then this is where things start to get weird. I'm talking with one of our guy friends and... I'm like, like, we're literally just talking. Like, I was, like, saying something. Like, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Literally not even important. We're just talking. That's all that matters in this story. Okay. And he call- the other guy calls me over again. And he says to me, like, you know, like, if you're going to, like, fuck around with other guys, like, I don't want that. I'm not into a girl that's, like, into a bunch of guys. And I was just, like, it's so confused. night. I had just met him. Like, literally night one, you need to sit down. Like, that's not even... Sorry, it would make sense if you guys were, like, talking all night long, and then you go off with another guy. We talked briefly for, like, yes. maybe a total of two minutes. Yes, but the fact that you talked for that short amount of time, like, dude. It was 
it was weird. And I remember just being like, what the fuck? And he was like, who is that guy? And I was like, it's just my friend. Like, red flags, red flags everywhere. Like, oh my God, this man is a walking, like worse. He's a walking red flag, bro. Um, and he says that. And I was like, at first, like I wasn't, you know, being like, what the fuck? In the moment, I was just kind of like, oh, what? Are you jealous? Like, come down here and dance with me. And like, he never did. So, um, so he didn't even walk the walk. No, what? it was so weird. Um, and so then later on that night, like I walking around the bar, I see him at the bar. He asked to buy me a drink. I said, no, cause I was already, I did not need another drink. So I went back to the dance floor with my friends and my phone starts ringing. Like I can feel it vibrating in my back pocket. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I like pull out my phone and it's this random number that turned out to like it was him and I was just like what the fuck and I didn't answer obviously and I texted the number because I like at the time I was just like it like wasn't registering that it was like really weird like I was like hmm, weird but then I texted him and I was like uh if you haven't noticed we're in a very crowded bar right now like <laughs> you're like literally like I cannot hear you like oh I didn't even answer I texted him I declined it and then I texted him and I said yeah. you know I don't know if you noticed this but we're in a very crowded bar and like why would he call you I don't know it was he facetimed like that's even weirder yeah so I didn't answer calls again I don't answer and then at this point like it's really late and I was like we're going home so like all of our friends we left we went back to the house and I we've talked about Connor on the podcast so I can say his name we're like all sitting in the living room and all of a sudden like Connor's on FaceTime with somebody and I'm like who Connor who are you talking to right now and he's like, whose phone is this? It's my phone. The dude had called me again and Connor answered it. What do you say? I don't like he was just Connor was just like, what the fuck? Because this guy was on Broadway trying to figure out how to get home, I guess. Wait, the guy said how to get home. He was asking how to, how to get home. I don't know what he like. He was on Broadway. I assume the bars had closed at that point. Oh. So he's trying to figure out how he's going to get home. Why would he call you for that? Who the fuck knows? Not I. But yeah, he so Connor answers the phone and like, it was just, like, weird. And I was like, Connor, hang up. Like, don't, uh-uh. <laughs> Please, no. So I, he, he hung up. And then my phone just starts blowing up. This dude keeps calling me over and over and over again. And then it got to the point where, like, Elise, my friend, started picking up. And she was, like, fucking with him. Oh, yeah. So she, like, answered him. I never, I never talked to this guy on the phone, but, like, Elise was answering. Yeah. And, like, at first it was, like, kind of funny. And, like, and then it was just, like, weird. And I was, like, Elise, please stop answering. Like, I don't want him to, like, keep calling it's me. It's weird now. Yeah. So Elise told me that he was trying to figure out how to get home. And he wanted me to come pick him up and take him back to where I was at. Ew. It was so bizarre. I literally was, like, what the fuck? And I, you know, I just like didn't answer anymore. And I go to sleep and I guess he called me again, like while I was asleep, (laughs) I woke up and I counted the total amount of times he called me. He called me 13 times. Uh, uh, like if you weren't answering, like, why do you still keep calling? Like, that's so weird. Like the only thing is like, I could think of is like, he's just really fucked up, but like. 
It's just so weird. Why do you keep calling me? No. Clearly, I'm not answering. And you don't even know who I am. I don't even think a normal fucked up person would do that. That's weird. It was very bizarre. To someone that they just met. And it's like, can you come get me? I'm going to call you like fucking nonstop and like FaceTime you at the bar. And like, why are you talking to other guys? Like, that's not a normal person. <laughs> God, no. Even if so, he was drunk. So in the morning when I woke up and I saw I still had like more missed calls from him, I blocked him. I blocked the number yeah. immediately. Okay. Saturday night. We go out again when we go to the same bar and I see his friends there and like immediately my stomach dropped because I was like, oh no. I was like, this guy's going to be here and like, what if he like wants to confront me or like, what if he's pissed that I blocked him? Like, how is he going to react? I was like kind of nervous for like my safety, you know? No, I would be too because he seems like he's a little crazy. Yeah. Right at the end of the night as we were leaving, I saw him coming out of the bathroom. (gasps) Yes. And I looked over to Faith and I go, oh my God, like, I think that's him. She goes... I just saw it. That is him. And I was like, Get, like, let's go. And we left. Oh my God. I would run for the hills. Yeah. But then on Sunday, I, so I hadn't blocked, but I opened up my laptop and I got a text from a number I didn't know. And I was like, weird. And I opened the message and it was him. I don't know how it came through on my laptop. Like if my laptop hadn't connected like with iCloud to say yeah. like this number's blocked, but he had texted me the next morning, not even the next morning, four o'clock the next day and he said something like who is this like i was so drunk last night i don't know who this is and i just, i obviously was like what the fuck i didn't respond and yeah that was my fun crazy story of broadway and it reminds me every time why i don't go <laughs> yeah and no i think he was just trying to cover his ass with that text yeah because that's fucking embarrassing just no. I've never called anybody that many times. Like anyone's ever been that drunk and done that. Like that is not normal human behavior. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like, oh my god, this person's an alien. But like low key, like they kind of are because I've never seen that or heard of that. And then like, just I don't know. Just him for him to be like, who is this? Like what the fuck? I'm like, if if I did that, I would not even text that person because I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> I I no, And I didn't. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, that's my fun little story. Um, can you get the Google Doc pulled up from your phone? Yes. Damn, Riley. <laughs> so before we get into our guest today, as always, we're going to do a few housekeeping things. Follow our Instagram and our TikTok at You're Not The Worst Podcast. And go check out our website at www.you'renotthewurst.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple and subscribe to us on Spotify and follow us on Apple. And we are now on Amazon Podcasts. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And Audible. <laughs> oh, I think we're on a lot of platforms. DM us your crazy dating stories. We want to hear them. Yes, and shitty things too. Don't forget about those. It's still a thing. (laughs) (laughs) They are still a thing. So, guys, our guest today, we are having on Dr. Wendy Walsh. And y'all, let me let me just read you a little bit about her before we get into this because I need y'all to understand the gravity of the guests that we have on today. So, Dr. Wendy is a doctor of psychology, relationship coach, and attachment expert. She's an accomplished writer of The Girlfriend Test, The Boyfriend Test, and The 30-Day Love Detox. She's made it her mission to teach others how to take control of their love life. Wendy's a two-time Emmy Award winner for reporting news at UPN News 13. She's worked with Don Lemon on CNN and many other networks, including The O'Reilly Factor on Fox News, HLN, NBC, CBS, and ABC. 
She joined Dr. Phil in the syndicated show The Doctors, where she was nominated for her third Emmy. In 2017, Dr. Wendy also spoke out about sexual harassment at Fox News and, get ready for it, was named Time's Person of the Year. Dr. Wendy currently works as a radio host and podcaster at KFIAM station. And hold on. Oh, <laughs> so, like, I'm impressed. This oh, really? Like one take. I, you know, I can't read for shit. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't speak for shit. <laughs> okay, right. So she works as radio host and a podcaster at KF1. I'm sorry. KFIAM station 640 of iHeartMedia. Let's hear it for Dr. Wendy. Without further ado, here she is. All right, everybody. It is my honor to introduce Dr. Wendy Walsh. We're so excited to have her on the podcast today. I found you on TikTok, which I think I've found all of our guests so far because I'm on TikTok constantly. It's very addictive. Yes. Yeah. So I came across your TikTok and I was very impressed by like all the content that you had created. And then I went on your website from there and just reading all about you and reading about all of your success. I was like, we have to get her on. I'm happy to be here. It's nice. TikTok has introduced me to a whole nother generation of people. I mean, I've been talking about the science of love for, oh, I'm not going to tell you how many decades, uh, but TikTok really, you know, I've written lots of books and have lots of followers, been doing lots of TV and lots of radio, but TikTok really exploded things. Yeah, I feel like TikTok too got you kind of in our generation, which is why we thought you would be such a great guest because- we kind of found this hole in podcasting where, you know, there's dating podcasts, but when I would listen to them, I realized that like the, some of the stuff didn't apply to me because of the way that that generation dated. And it like, it's not the same as Avery and I's generation. And then when I would find other relationship podcasts hosted by women our age, the content was just not healthy. And so Avery and I wanted to create a space to teach college students and um, young adults in their early 20s about how to date and how to be healthy in a relationship. Well, I do want to say that actually nothing has changed. Our biology is ancient. We are operating old DNA. Our language has changed. You know, what was once a one night stand is now a hookup. What was once an undefined relationship is now a situationship. Um, All that has always existed since the beginning of time. Um, I think that really the biggest change that's happened is the cultural evolution of the fact that we just have an oversupply of successful women in the mating marketplace. And women generally don't like to date down. So as a result, there is a scarcity of commitment-oriented men that these women would consider committing to. So this is causing a lot of competition, a same-sex competition for mates. And it's causing men for really the first time in history to have the upper hand and are starting to try to call the shots sexually. Are you familiar with John Berger and his work? Mm-mm. He basically devoted a portion of his life to studying what you just said of how there is a, there's a gap with educated women versus educated men. And basically it's the whole thing. I, he wrote a book called Datanomics and he studied uh, college dating pools. So I didn't know, whenever you were saying that, it sounded pretty familiar. Well, we don't have to really look very far to see the feminization of college campuses. You know, over the past 10 years, uh, for every two men that graduate college, there are three women. So that puts a higher educated class of women 
in the mating marketplace. But the other thing that's happening is it's creating a crunch in two ways. One is women don't want to date down. And we should talk about what dating down means and how women should maybe reframe their idea of what is down because rolling around in women's heads is this old patriarchal notion of you need to find a prince and have a rescue fantasy and you need to find a high earning man. And now smart men are figuring out, oh, wait, if we have this population of successful women, we can be helpers and partners so that she can procreate. The other thing that's happening is that women are being forced to eat up big chunks of their fertility window, getting educated and beginning their careers. Mm. So the average age of first time marriage has been going up. The average age of first birth has been going up. Um, and then there becomes this crazy partner crunch often in, when women are in their early thirties at the end of their fertility window. And so this is creating a lot of anxiety in women. And a lot of them think that they need to do what men say, which is hook up early, have open relationships, polyamory is the thing. Oh, look, and women didn't invent this stuff. Okay. That came from men. Uh, and so um, that's what they're doing with their anxiety is they think if they can please men sexually, if they can be the hottest, if they can do the most amazing acrobatics in the bedroom, that somehow is going to consider her to be the mother of his children. Uh, <laughs> but it usually doesn't work that way. Uh, men have told me, and I've been interviewing men for 30 years, that when a woman moves to the bedroom quickly, all they can think about is all the other men they, that she's done this with. Now, you're going hey, Dr. Walsh, the sexual double standard, haven't we erased that now? You know, it has been erased in women's minds, but not in men's. And men have very, very old DNA, just like we do. And in fact, back in our hunter-gatherer past, they didn't like to mate with a woman who was sharing her eggs with the teen because then he risked raising somebody else's genes. So as an evolutionary psychologist, I can say it's pretty much hardwired in men to not be attracted to women who have multiple partners and move quickly to sex. Yeah. One thing I noticed on your website was that you are specifically a male dating coach. Do you work with women at all or just men? I work with everybody, but I advertise to men. Okay. In other words, women all come to me. I don't need to place an ad out for them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what is the typical age range that you're seeing with your male clients? Well, with the male clients, because I'm pretty expensive, it tends to be a middle-aged man who's been blindsided by divorce. Mm -hmm. right? Suddenly, his wife has left him and he's like, wait, I was trying to do everything right. I was working and trying to be a provider and whatever. But now women are demanding so much more of their male mates and men over 40. Now, young men are super smart. They've figured out, oh, I need to be a little emotionally mature. I need to be a little sensitive. I need to be her friend. I need to help out and have more equitable gender division of labor in the household, right? They've come up in a way where they're far more feminist than older men. And older men are kind of like, we had these traditional gender roles. Why is she so unhappy? Because she's exhausted yeah. and she's done. She's raising another <laughs> child. Like maybe pick yourself up off the floor and do the dishes one time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So- I did a whole project in my psychology class last semester on this because I find it so fascinating. But let's just like go and tell everybody who probably doesn't even know what that is. What is attachment theory? 
Attachment theory is an area of psychology that is probably the most quantified with data and most studied of any psychological theory out there. It's even been studied by the hard sciences. Um, neuroscientists are seeing different attachment styles light up certain areas of the brain when they put people in MRIs. So this is not some woo-woo, Freudian maybe sort of. <laughs> Basically, attachment theory is this. You come into the world with a set of genes genes for a certain amount of anxiety or depression or calmness or independence. And you have as a baby, a certain set of needs of care. Now, most human babies need to be held. They need to be consoled. They need to be loved, right? And unfortunately, sometimes there's a bad match. It might be well-meaning parents, but they could have read a book that said, babies should learn to cry it out. They'll sleep better through the night. Uh, babies, you know, need to be put on a schedule for feeding. Don't feed because you think they're hungry and they're crying. They need to learn to wait, right? And so if you happen to have come into the world with a gene for anxiety and you have parents who couldn't meet your needs in the very early years, then love becomes mixed with feelings of longing. Now, what if your parents were even abusive and love becomes mixed with feelings of fear? This becomes a blueprint for love in our heads. And then we go out into our ro adult romantic lives and we find people who will treat us exactly the same way because that's what's familiar to us. Mm. You see, happiness, if you haven't had it, is terrifying. And so what ends up happening, you can sort of classify people into a number of categories of attachment. Some people aren't anxiously attached. So they really worry about fears of abandonment. Other people are more emotionally avoidant. Maybe they feel easily engulfed and smothered. Some people have a secure attachment style, about half of Americans, and those people can give and receive care comfortably. They have enough backbone and self-esteem to be able to say they're sorry and make amends. They generally have pretty good communication skills, which plays out into good sex lives because sex is about good sexual communication, right? Um, and then there are people who have kind of, I call it the anxious ambivalent, which are the come forward, go away. They're longing and longing for closeness, but if they meet somebody who can give them that, they push them away. They create drama around it. So what happens is people with the secure attachment style, they find each other by their late 20s. When you hear about the average age of first time marriage for men is the age of 28, those are all the ones with a secure attachment style. <laughs> and then by the time you get past that, you end up with this mating pool of people who are anxious, who are avoidant, and 100% of the time, the person with the anxiety finds the avoidant person because then their pattern is completed and their relationship is filled with a lot of pain because they're constantly longing for this person to get closer. The other person's feeling constantly engulfed and smothered and is doing all kinds of things to get away or be dismissive of feelings. And welcome to modern dating life. Yeah, so does that... One thing I researched when I was doing my research on that was how dating apps came into play because dating apps, they tend to attract anxious and um, avoidant attachment styles, which creates this really bad mix of a dating pool. Do you know about that? Or what do you think about that? In my opinion, dating apps attract everybody, but people with a secure attachment style know how to use them well and get off the apps quickly with a mate. Mm -hmm. I just have had the worst luck with the apps. Like, I don't know. I just always find guys and it turns into what's your snap and Snapchat is like the first red flag. If someone asks my Snapchat over my number, it's a no go. But then immediately 
from there, they're trying to get me to send them nudes or like stuff like that. And, you know, then at that point, I'm just like, yeah, we're not looking for the same thing. But like, it's so rare with dating in my experience. Maybe it's just a Nashville thing, but it's so rare with dating that I've ever even had a guy plan a date. They always are like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How about yeah. you go to my house? Let's hang out. Court. Yeah. Well, women have a lot more control than you think. Okay. And also when you say it's rare to find a guy like that, you know, you only need to find one, right? You're only looking for one. And the thing about dating apps is it gives you so much selection. Unfortunately, it tricks your brain and biohacks your brain because humans suffer from something called a paradox of choice, mm -hmm. which is the more choice you have, the less likely you are to make a choice. And when you do make a choice, the less you value it because you're thinking about that bigger, better deal that might've been there on the app. So my advice on how to use dating apps is very simple. Only match with two people at once in that app. Don't have your box filled with 20 people, two people. And then decide who gets eliminated first. You, it might be because they didn't text you back fast enough. Okay, they're not energetic. They're not into it. They're not enlivened and impassioned by you. Goodbye. And then the next one, you might get on the, and try to get on the phone very quickly. Do not have a relationship on an app. They're not dating apps. They're meeting apps. All right. Yeah. Uh, you date somewhere else yeah. and get on the phone and you can tell so much more from vocal tone. Um, if you like that stage, you might progress to a 10 minute, 15 minute drive-by date. I call that a coffee, right? Uh, not an actual date. And then after that, the first date might happen. But the process of finding one good mate is about eliminating thousands of mates. And it is an endurance test, but your game, your brain should be about why isn't this person right? Because humans also suffer from something called a progression bias in our romantic lives, which means that we lower our standards when we've hooked a fish because we think he's the only fish in the sea. And we start to want to progress the relationship, even if the person has a bunch of deal breakers on their profile, um, just because we're having contact with them. So I want you to think of like at any stage of the relationship, you can say, this isn't right for me. Now, as far as how to get a guy to ask you on a date, it's very, very simple. Um, you hold 100% of the power in the early stages of the relationship, especially before you've had sex with them. So the best behavior he's ever going to give you is before you've had sex. And if he's not giving you amazing behavior, he needs to be ghosted. He needs to hear from the entire female gender that he doesn't get to be in the mating marketplace. Yeah. Right? I love so, you just said he needs to be ghosted. <laughs> he needs to be ghosted. And so when you, when you, let's say you're messaging a guy on an app, within a few messages, if you like what he's saying and he's responding in a timely manner, then you simply say, you know, I'm not really into texting. If you want to jump on the phone sometime, here's my phone number. And then you wait. If that dude does not call you in 48 hours, you swipe him away and ghost him because he, you want to find one person who's jumping up and down impassioned for you. That's mm -hmm. it. You yeah. don't need 20 guys into you. You need one. That's it. And so if he calls you, then you have your phone conversation. Then you can move to the coffee, etc. When he asks you for the snap, you write back, I'm sorry. Um, I prefer a phone call. Mm -hmm. And then if he continues to text you, remember, he's going to scroll back and read that last text. If you keep rewarding him with texts, well, I told you, 
I want a phone call. Or you answer a question because he's going to test you just like a two-year-old. Mommy's <laughs> cooking dinner and the two-year-old wants to have a cookie before dinner. The mother says, you can't have a cookie for dinner. You can have a cookie after for dinner. The, the rule does not exist as a rule until it's been tested. Mm-hmm. He's going to still go to that cookie jar and try to open that lid. And she's going to wrap his little fingers and said, I said, after. So you will experience a number of pushbacks as men test your boundaries. It's never just, well, I said it, so it's going to be that way. He has to continue to test. In fact, what he's doing is finding out which category of girl to put you in. Mm-hmm. Which type to have a relationship with or the type to pursue for sex. And so if he tests you and if you have firm boundaries, then he's like, oh, I didn't realize she's girl from interior. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. He always is going to begin with sex because men are visually wired and it starts with attraction. He has to like the way you look. Mm-hmm. But now that he likes the way you look, he's thinking, do I want to go any deeper? Do I want to have an emotional relationship with this person? Do I want to have a public relationship with the person as a girlfriend? Do I want to whatever? I'll, he'll always take the sex. Mm-hmm. But then the question is, what is next? And so unfortunately, young women think if they acquiesce to sex earlier, that the guy will think, she's great. She's so good in bed. I'm going to marry her. That's not who they marry. They marry the one who says, no cookie jar yet. That's You can't have the cookies until after dinner. Got to make him work for it. For my, my personal rule is you have to commit to me. You know, Same. I'm not going to we're not going to be in the talking stage and having sex. Like you have to be like, this is my girlfriend and you got to come to me in order to get that. Well, I think there are two stages of modern relationships. So you get to know somebody and then you discuss about entering a sexual relationship. You don't let it just happen. You have to, you have to have the, what is we, what, what are we conversation? (laughs) Um, And there was actually some great research done by, Dr. Sandra Metz, I think out of the University of Kansas, where she, her study is called the Passion Turning Point Study. And she looked at onset of first sex in a relationship. And she found out that if you talked about feelings, that um, that passion turning point was more likely to be positive. And if you had the what are we conversation, it was more likely to be positive. But if you didn't have those two things, more likely that onset of first sex uh, was filled with regrets and apologies and negative feelings. And it was a negative turning point. So the, what are we conversation could be, you know, I like you. I don't know where this is going, but I really, really like you. And I'm ready to go to the next stage. That doesn't mean we're going to post on Instagram that we're a couple. We want the whole world to know we're committed. It's just, I like you. I believe as a woman, you have a hundred percent of a right to ask for sexual exclusivity if only for your physical health. That doesn't mean you're a public couple. It doesn't mean he's your boyfriend, you're your girlfriend, but while you're getting to know each other, you deserve sexual exclusivity to keep your bloodstream safe. So the conversation goes like this. I think you're so hot and I really like you and I'm really into you. While we're getting to know each other, I'd like to know I'm the only woman you're sleeping with. And you get that consent for sexual exclusivity ahead of time. Then you're not worried. Is he out seeing other people? What's happening? Whatever, right? Now, if he lies and you find out, then you know, goodbye, goes to him, right? But then the next conversation comes usually 60 to 90 days into the relationship where the what are we is, are we a public couple now? 
Mm-hmm. I know we've been going out, we've been meeting each other's friends because you use your friends to check them out, right? So you've been yeah. doing a little socializing. And then you're going to say, you know, I'm continuing to enjoy getting to know you. Now we've spent a few months together. Um, I, you know, I, let's have, what do you think we are? Let's, I would always ask it as a question and let them talk. And if they don't give you the answer you want, then you have a right to move away. Yeah. And by the way, I want to be really clear. When I talk about delaying the onset of first sex in a new relationship, I am never talking about withholding sex. No man has a right to sex with a woman. When you use language of withholding sex, it sounds like he has a right to your body and you're withholding it. Mm-mm-mm. You are choosing where to unleash your sexual passion. And you were in the driver's seat making the choice. Wow. Holy cow. That was like, that was good. I feel like I'd like just felt like, like a truth bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, Avery, you had something that you wanted to talk to her about. Do you want to bring that up? I wanted to talk about like monogamy. And like, I think in one of your interviews, you talked about how it's really hard for us to stay monogamous. But I just watched one of your TikToks on, um, I'm not sure what it was called, but it, you're talking about how a lot of girls post like, very like risque scandalous pictures and it's called like like a thirst trap yeah and like it's like female power but you said something else about it and how like that wasn't really like promoting the female body or something what i was saying is adopting a male model of sexuality yes. in fact adopting a male model of anything is not female freedom yes evolutionary psychologists know that we have two distinct mating systems one is spread your seed one is focus on offspring in the nest right? And so monogamy evolved because it is still the absolute best thing we have for children. Now, um, it is difficult because we are also wired to have a sex drive and we're wired to seek out novelty. Novelty, though, doesn't mean always different partners. It can mean different clothes in a different room (laughs) at a different time of day. That is the thing that can create sexual novelty in a relationship. So, Uh, We do have the widest range of sexual behavior of any primate species, but monogamy is still fully practiced by more than 50% of the human species. Now, when I say monogamy, I mean sexual exclusivity, but I don't necessarily mean lifelong. When the words till death do us part were invented, death was pretty imminent. Mm -hmm. Now, because of our very long life expectancies, Even the most monogamous human can expect two or three long stints of monogamy in their lifespan with some mate selection in between. We call that dating. Does that clarify it? But women using thinking that they're feminists and that they are having multiple partners because men can do that. I can't do that. Isn't feminism. Isn't feminist. So here's the thing. Sex is still a much higher risk hobby for women than it is for men. Because of our unique biology, women are more likely to contract an STI. Women are more likely to fall in love during sex because their bodies emit so much oxytocin, the big bonding hormone. The only other time in a woman's life where she emits that much oxytocin is when she's breastfeeding her baby to bond with her baby. And finally, women are more likely to contract an 18-year case of parenthood. So as a result, this is not something that women can easily do for sport without risk. Mm -hmm. Men, it's a much lower risk event for them. 
if they have a bad night with a bad hookup with bad sex, it's a bad night. And a woman might have a 20 year experience with a child. So I know we're running a little bit low on time. I'm not sure if you looked over the document, but we do a segment on this show called shitty things. Mm -hmm. And basically what it is, is we just tell, it's basically just think of it as like a confessional. So like you can tell something that you've done that's like really shitty, or you can tell something that somebody else has done to you that was really shitty, but it's just to create a relatable platform for others and to let people know, like, it's okay. We all mess up and we and you're not the worst. (laughs) In fact, I just posted a TikTok video the other day about, should you go through your, is it ever okay to go through your partner's phone? And the answer is no, of course, because if either one of two things is happening, either you have an anxious attachment style and you seek abandonment and you're vigilantly looking for signs of abandonment, in which case you're not really a good trustworthy partner mm-hmm. or your gut tells you he's cheating. And if so, you don't need his phone. If you don't have trust in that relationship, you don't need his phone. However, I was young once and I was having a long distance relationship with a guy. And the last email was like, I'll see you Tuesday in LA. And he comes into LA. I never hear from him. I'm calling the hotel where he's supposed to be. He's not answering at his room. And the thing is, he was a bit of a beefcake actor and I was the smart nerdy girlfriend. So I was the one who had actually set up his email. So I knew the password. (laughs) So the only time in my life I've ever gone into somebody's email to check was a very tragic day because I did see the email from the girl he was actually seeing in my town that day, that week. And it was bad for a number of reasons. One is he's not talking to me and he's in my town. That's all I need to know to get rid of him, right? Why do I need anything else? But then to re-injure myself by seeing her sexy emails, that hurt. And then for decades, I carry around 20 pounds of guilt because of it. Wow. Because yeah. I violated his privacy. Yeah. Going through somebody's phone has kind of become so normalized in our society, which I think is such an odd thing because like I, my phone is more about me. It has more of my life on it than like, you know, it has. Not at girls that like are guys that like um, girls pictures on Instagram and like, they're like, that's cheating. And it's like, is it though? Like it's like specific stuff like that. That is like, so like our generation. Well, this is how attachment theories plays out in the mating marketplace, right? Um, I know you say your generation, but before there were cell phones, there were girlfriends kicking their husband because he was, or the boyfriend, because he was checking out another girl over his shoulder instead of in his phone, right? (laughs) Nothing has changed. So um, given more opportunity, the question is, there's definitely more access to more potential romantic partners. There's also more access to secret communications, But we're also starting to understand that men are visually wired and looking at pictures is not dangerous. We also know that even committed, happily married couples who keep backup mates. Now, what is a backup mate? A backup mate is not somebody who is a threat to your relationship. It is not somebody where there is boundary violations and you're confiding in them about your primary relationship. A backup mate is just that person you chat with and you think to yourself, if something ever happened to my mate, that would be the person I might try to date. And research has shown that people who keep backup mates actually have better mental health. They have lower levels of depression, lower levels of anxiety. It's a survival mechanism. So I think that there's a difference between checking out someone's photos or having a platonic same-sex friendship and literally 
foreplay by text, right? So that's what people are afraid of. And opportunity is always going to be there. And the research that shows, uh, the most interesting research to me on infidelity and cheating are the ones that look at why people don't cheat. And they've interviewed tons and tons of men who never cheated and they ask them why. And always the answer is, I would just feel so bad for hurting my partner. So at the end of the day, it's emotional intimacy that is the glue. It's not about vigilantly checking their phones. It's not about being the hottest girl. It's about having a deep emotional connection so they don't want to hurt you because they know you and love you well. Wow. Thank you for quite welcome. Nice to meet you, ladies. All right, that's all we have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did with Wendy. I'm still shook that she was able to come on our podcast. We loved having her on. But as always, thank you for listening in. You can follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok at You're Not the Worst Podcast. And our website is www.you'renotthewurst.com. And as always, rate and review on Apple and follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple. And as I said in the beginning of the episode, we are now on Amazon and Audible. Don't forget that shitty things is still a thing. Wendy did a shitty thing. I'm pretty sure you can do one too. (laughs) Please send in your shitty things to us. We'd love to hear your stories and any crazy things that you have to tell us or any like time that our tips have helped you and you've listened. We would love to hear about that too. You can follow Riley on Instagram at RileyNelson18. I think it's 18. I'm not really sure, but you can follow me at Avery Blessing. And be sure to look out next week for another Q&A episode. And we'll see you guys next Wednesday.